there's a clean finish that comes through in this beer i feel like i'd be able to i could drink both of these beers tonight in mass but but i appreciate there's a, a it's incredibly clear it's copper in color it's nothing like you would find on the shelves today if you looked for a pale ale but when you drink it i mean it's beautiful it's clean it's balanced it's 40 years old i mean that part's amazing that ken and sierra nevada were doing stuff like this which is still good today 40 years ago when nobody few people the world wasn't ready to embrace it yet Good morning, you're listening to Drinking Socially, the official untapped podcast. Your inside look into what's happening in the untapped community and the world of beer. I'm John, and this is it. This is the episode I never thought I would have been excited about when I first decided to chase every unique and inspired adjunct-heavy craft beer in the world. This is the episode of the core beer, the shelf heroes, the beers you grew up on, maybe not uh, moving on. We're going to focus on two beers that we make reference to on the show often uh, here at Drinking Socially. Harrison actually put one on his Mount Beermore. There's never been a better time to feature these beers, except maybe flagship February, but we'll get there. Um but the world has really seen a jump in packaged beers, people buying crafts and, and beer in volume. So these are the beers that you see on the shelf every time you're hunting for a new four pack. Uh, they became the star of the last few months. So today we're going to drink two of the best. And I'm Harrison. And if time is a flat circle, then today we're back at the beginning, which may also be the end if my understanding of circles is still correct. Uh, what I'm saying is the beers we're about to drink were some of the first craft beers I've ever had, and they could also be the last two beers I ever have, you know, stocking my yacht with them as I sail off into the sunset towards my private island someday. Now, that's a long shot, but, you know, these two breweries, they dared to dream bigger, and we're all fortunate to be living in a world full of amazing beer because of that. So today I'm going to dream a bit bigger as well, but first... Drinking Socially is released every other Wednesday morning. It can be found at podcast.untap.com. Or YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts, of course. Here we are again, Harrison, um, kind of coming together <laughs> digitally. Uh, it's really nice to see your face again. That's a little bit closer to the way we used to record and i've seen you checking into some pretty cool stuff any favorites uh i know we had memorial day weekend here in the states we celebrated that apart but together uh via your check-in feed you make me jealous where's your, <laughs> where's your highlights man that's right one really kind of stood out above the rest for me this past weekend it was post-modernism uh from flying machine a local brewery here in wilmington yeah, uh, I love Flying Machine. Uh, postmodernism sounds like an art style, but, but I trust them. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's a triple hopped Keller beer, um, and they use Amarillo and Styrian Dragon, which I never had as the two hops they hopped it with. And it was really, first of all, an amazing beer. They make just great lagers, so that alone, it was crisp and clean. And you could see right through it, uh, but to add the hops on top of it um it was it was really just fantastic it was it was full-bodied it was i could have 
drank it all day. Um, didn't know, but but really kind of thought about it after afterwards for a while and I smoked a bunch of ribs this weekend and definitely paired perfectly with that. But it's, you know, a, a hopped up lager. You can do it a couple different ways and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. This was, I really, I mean, I was just really impressed with, again, how good the beer was and then their take on it definitely different than any traditional uh, color beer, but it worked out great. Triple hopped Styrian dragon sounds like a game of Thrones. Like, I know exactly. Uh, like, um, that's an amazing hop name. I'd never heard of it before either. And Same, you yeah. said you paired it with smoked ribs, smoked ribs. That's right. Smoked a bunch of ribs, uh, on the, uh, on the grill for a better part of the day, uh, this past weekend, um, which we hadn't done in a while. And that worked out really well too. Some home, uh, homemade dry rub and then yeah just enjoying this this beer among a few other uh, local beers it's been easy to you know support locally like kind of we talked about a lot of places doing delivery in town here uh, but i was kind of the mood for a lager had a different one in mind saw this one pop up and was like yeah let's give it a try I haven't had it yet and i mean man i'm i'm pumped that uh pumped that i did yeah, you said uh, Triple Hops Keller beer. The only Keller beer that comes to mind is the one that I see from Sierra Nevada infrequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is a Keller beer, Harrison? Right. So technically, it's like an unfiltered lager. So one that doesn't need to be kind of crystal clear and see through and all that stuff. Um, and it's kind of a broad category. They can be dark, light. Zwickel beer is kind of used sometimes interchangeably with it um but they're and you know the brewers association is going to have hard and fast more i guess i guess you'd say hard and fast um rules around it but ultimately i mean there's um i've had light ones i've had dark ones i've had ones that taste like vienna lagers and ones that taste like hellas lagers uh lend beers um is another great um, kind of similar style, another like a German um, kind of country lager, if you will. Um, but but ultimately, um, yeah, it, it's just not not pasteurized, not filtered, tons of yeast still in it. Um, but this one, it was really really clear. Just from they have a great lager program there. We spent some time with the brewers and kind of learned about how much time they take in just uh, making their beer. So that's an, that happens. We wait long enough, and it's just going to drop out of suspension. The, the kind of particular that can make a uh, a, a beer kind of hazy uh, or not not crystal clear. So this one was that was an awesome tour. I remember going through the Flying Machine Brewery. I miss brewery tours now that I'm I thinking know. about them. Yep, uh, those guys were incredible. They were. The uh, so it makes me like a German style lager the name kind of gives it away but it's something mm-hmm. that it's exciting to hear that the local guys flying machine made one i would expect someone like jack's abbey or, or a sure. lager focused brewery to probably make some as well as mm-hmm. the german ones that we referenced like hagger shore and guys like yeah that. that's really cool yep. though i'd never i'd seen the name a few times but i never really gave much thought as to uh, why, right. what why, is, yeah. what is that it's or a, why is it so special? Sure. It's a huge category. I mean, really, it's almost like saying like an American strong ale, which could be a stout, but it could also be a double IPA. Like it's not that variant, I guess. They're all going to be a lager and they're going to be relatively same IBUs and stuff. But color wise, if it's, you know, opaque or not, yep, there's a lot of room in there, which, 
which just gives you time to be creative and you also don't feel like you have to as we've covered before a lot of german beers have some pretty strict guidelines to them and this one doesn't so um it just allows for a little bit more creativity there and yeah they went all in with triple dry hop in this thing um and uh and it was it's i mean it's it's great i'm probably gonna have another one tonight i've been like, trying to wait i only have four of them to go through them but uh you know only wait so long I appreciate understanding that uh, that there's a, a lot of things that can be done to that beer, really any beer we've had. The guys from uh, Red Oak, we drank their beer on episode 11. Also, they did an awesome job. They're kind of sharing the podcast with friends of theirs and they shared it on their social media. That was really cool. Uh, they they strike me as the brewer to really try and follow tradition and honor it but um but it shows man they make some really good beers i'm excited to go visit them once things relax here yeah and john i saw you check in some pretty cool beers some unique stuff that i didn't even realize kind of what i was looking at that you were having until you you pointed out but you've been going through some some awesome awesome beers that we may may not see again, or maybe this is now a new seasonal version of something people already know. Anyway, I'm go ahead, John. Tell me kind of what uh, what you got. We were enjoying this uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I, I got a few comments on Untapped uh, for checking into well, a couple of so the one that I think of most free, most e- easily comes to mind is Key Lime Pie from Westbrook. And I still vividly remember the first time I had their key lime pie gosa. And I was like, not only is it lime, but you taste the gram and this is amazing. And it was, it was, it's still, it's a great beer. Uh, it's easier to find now, which I appreciate. And then randomly, uh, my wife came home with a four pack of these 16 ounce cans of key lime pie. And I thought initially, I thought it was like, oh, it's the same beer. They just put it in a 16 ounce can. Perfect. Um, and then I realized that this was a, a, a seasonal release from Westbrook. They released it on Pi Day on March 14th. And I believe there's an equation of like how many key lime pies per barrel that if mm. you follow the math, it equals 3.14 on on on. So that was really cool. But also it was a great key lime graham cracker crust it's a it's a beautiful Mm. dessert for the warmer months and this beer was listed as a it was listed as a sour not a gosa so there's expectedly a little bit of a change in the recipe probably that put it in the can and and got it to make me smile so easily but um but it was easily noticed right it was you could they were cousins maybe even half brothers the key lime pie gosa and right. this key lime pie sour that was a great experience though that sounds amazing i'm jealous but good on you for and your, your wife for finding that and grabbing it because right it's i'm sure if anything it's seasonal i don't even know if it comes out every year so um so maybe may never come back again um so good snag john what else i think i saw a couple other things go through your feed that i was not familiar with that sounded great I, I got. Um, I want to send a big shout out to a brewery, uh, Platt Park, in the Denver, Colorado area. If I can be honest, I didn't know Platt Park was a brewery. There's a lot of them here in the states, but um, but they were never one that I'd heard of before. And uh, I got a, a hold of a crawler of their watermelon sour. I mean, uh, it's it's been warm out here in North Carolina. Uh, like like oppressively warm on some days. <laughs> so this watermelon sour 
uh, we were hanging out. I think it was last weekend or, you know, time is as Harrison referenced a flat circle. <laughs> um, but we were hanging out and cracked open this crawler. It was getting kind of late at night. I think we were watching YouTube shows or something. And I poured it into my cup wondering, am I going to be able to drink, you know, a whole bunch of this beer? One sip in, man. It was 1993. I was collecting baseball <laughs> cards. It tastes exactly like a watermelon Jolly Rancher. Ooh. It was it was like barely sour, but to their credit, I don't want this to be a knock. It was artificial watermelon flavor, which is the only real watermelon flavor yeah. in my yeah. opinion. It was It was a song of watermelon it tasted like springtime it was one of the most amazing first sip beers that i remember having in quite a while wow that sounds great yeah we've been housing a lot of watermelon here it's kind of that time of year now and uh i mean i could put like one down a day if i had to so i share your love for the jolly rancher version and the fruited from the earth version um and the beer version but i haven't had that one so that's one that i'm gonna add my wish list and that was if you if if you ever get a chance i've only had one beer from platt park but if you ever get a chance uh that that beer was so good that i would just recommend buy it just based on their name um (laughs) until someone proves me wrong yep also, one of the guys that works at Untapped in the uh, customer support de- team, he was back home visiting family in Pennsylvania, um, and he brought me back a couple of beers from Rotunda um, out in, I know them as being in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I think they have another operation. Uh, I won't remember where, another smaller town in Pennsylvania, but they uh, they really get celebrated for their fruited i think they have a series called sweet tart or sweet tart um and i had a couple of different beers from them it reminded me of the first time i had a beer from drecker um or like the answer like a really or even um flying machine when they did their their really heavily fruited sour it was just it tasted like i was i was getting healthy for drinking it <laughs> and who knows me maybe you were There's no way to tell <laughs> there, no one's proved me wrong yet anyway <laughs> That sounds great. Yeah, I mean, I, right. I saw saw that uh, that yeah comments on that beer. There, Rotunda's in as you said, John. They have a spot in Hershey and then Anvil, as you said, to nice small Pennsylvania town, um, not too far away. That's uh yeah, they do some impressive stuff um, on that fruited sour side of things, um, as well as the another. They have a raspberry watermelon beer. So look out, John. Okay. Uh, uh, Colby, yeah. if you're listening, I need you to go back and visit family one more time. It's like their IPA is their top check in the Anvil IPA. So this is great. Um, yes, yeah, all this stuff looks looks pretty good. Recently released a beer called Social Distancing. The, the can art is uh, akin to something Burial might make. It looks uh, That's looks pretty. pretty awesome. A little bit of Tales from the Crypt uh, uh, kind of writing. And it's actually a collaboration with Abomination Brewing. So they do some amazing can art as well. So that makes complete sense. That's awesome. I think uh, one one of these times we really need to, uh, especially as we go more into visual content uh, with the YouTube version of the podcast now, Mm -hmm. uh, I'd love to get maybe Kyle Roderick or Rob Brink from Untapped, who does a lot of our design. Uh, to drink some beers and, and focus on label design. A nightmare gets a lot of shout yep. outs because their label design is a, is a, is a great tattoo. Yeah. Um, or a heavy metal t-shirt. I was say exactly. Yep. A nice doom metal t-shirt. 
Yeah, there's a. I mean, it's it's. I've heard from spoken with. I think I may have said this already in the podcast, but kind of the people that I know that do uh, art professionally or professional artists, kind of making a beer can label is akin to what making a record label used to be when people made records. It was kind of like the job you wanted or a really great thing to shoot for that everyone was kind of trying to trying to get their art on a on a record somewhere, get their art on a can somewhere, and they're. Obviously, a lot of breweries do a really great, great job with it. Um, we were lucky to have a guy by the name of uh, J.P. Flexner do all of our art at Neshaminy Creek. Um, he did all our murals, every can art, and he was also a drummer for the band Beach Slang. So we crossed both those worlds of music and uh, and beer. But um, but yeah, and he, he does impressive stuff and has a cool story. But yeah, I, I love I love talking to him about it and kind of where it all began for him. And that's a great idea. John Get some, uh, some people in there who, yeah, who kind of put some, some of the story behind a lot of the beers we enjoy some visual, the visual side to it. The three is the first thing you see. The one and only time I was fortunate enough to visit burial. I went to their Raleigh location and that's how I learned who Dave, I think it's David Paul Seymour. Uh, if I remember his three names, uh, is the artist that does their label work. He also does a lot of other stuff. Like you could kind of commission him to draw you a record label and he would do it as long as it's not beer related. But, um, but that's, that's, that's something I, I think, uh, I, I always pay attention to, especially if you've gone, you know, to the grocery store or bottle shop recently and you look and you see sometimes like, you know, five years ago, Trogues redid their whole package design and you'll see breweries do this on occasion. It, it, it works. It catches my attention. Uh, one of the beers we'll have on the podcast coming up in, in part two, we'll probably talk a little bit about that, but label design is, um, from my view, it's probably something that's really fun when it's your job. It might not be fun all the time, but there's been some amazing, uh, pieces of artwork that have existed on the labels of beers that I've drank. And I feel bad for not paying enough attention to them. I hear you there. I know, right. Or at least get it or find some way to make a t-shirt out of it too. Like there's so many of them. I wish I could have more than just on a can of beer, but have it hanging on my wall. And some you can. So that's a, that's a, that's a great point. Cool. Awesome. Well, speaking of all these beers, let's get to drinking some, John. We've got some a lot of a lot of history, a lot of stories tonight may percolate to the surface as we open up some of these beers that for myself and a lot of other people were how kind of they discovered what craft beer was. We're gonna start 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 the beginning. That's a really apt way to phrase it here. Um, starting at the beginning, I would speculate it almost depends on where you grew up, maybe when you grew up, but I think we're basically taking the East coast version of wow, beer can be different. And and in part two, we'll drink it with the West coast version of beer can be different. But I think both of these, both of these beers were created in a time when American beer wasn't expected to bring you a lot of flavor. It was a it was a light lager for most of the American beer drinker, and and then these came about, and it was I, I can't imagine what it'd be like trying to make an Uber for motorcyclists or something like. Right. People would be like, "What are you doing? This is no, everything's fine." Right, uh, and mm-hmm. you know, and yet it persists. Jim Coke created Boston Beer Co., uh, which is widely successful. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're starting tonight with 
Sam Adams Boston Lager by Boston Beer Company, which, uh, as I'm sure most of you know, is a Vienna-style lager, 5% ABV, 30 IBUs, which we'll talk about in, in a moment, um, why I think that's all significant. Um, and from Sam Adams themselves, we're seeing that they, they note that Sam Adams Boston Lager is the best example of the fundamental characteristics of a great beer offering a full rich flavor that is both balanced and complex. It is a brewed using uh, decoction mash, time-consuming traditional four-vessel brewing process discarded by many contemporary brewers. Uh, this process brings forth a rich sweetness from the malt and makes it well worth the effort. Um, they go on to say that you use only German noble hops, two-row barley, um, which imparts a nice smooth body, uh, but also gives it, you know, lots of lots of flavor, uh, which I can attest to. And they usually use uh, Hellertal Mittenfruh and Tettnang, Tettnanger, which are the two German noble hops, which I'm really familiar with. Um, very floral, piney, all that good stuff. So let's open this up. Let's experience it ourselves. And see what uh, what stories abound here. This is when you were talking, Harrison. I was trying to listen as you were reading the kind of uh, uh, we'll say sell sheet or description for this beer. Um, and as soon as you, like Vienna, you talked about the malts and a little bit of sweetness that come through. Maybe it's our Oktoberfest episode was was so much fun to do, and it was such a realization that lagers can bring pardon me lagers can bring just as much flavor and excitement uh as as an ale maybe that's not true maybe they can't bring as much flavor but um but man there there was a time where i looked at boston lager and i thought mm, that's for beginners i'm drinking advanced stuff here um like i'm collecting baseball cards that you'll never get more than once um, and there's don't get me wrong i love drinking those beers but there's something like again if we if we look at italian food or something that's made just with five perfect ingredients uh, there's a beautiful simplicity that you can't replicate by just adding a whole bunch of cool stuff to it that happens in this glass yeah i would argue it's a lot like um like almost like baseball and let me let me explain i there's a joke kind of that that that, that goes it goes kind of throughout my circle of friends where I say something to the effect of, I can't wait to like baseball one day or like baseball again one day, uh, implying that, you know, would you grow up? Everybody plays it. It's exciting. Then you get to eat bubble gum and you're hanging with your friends and playing in the dirt. And then maybe obviously some people keep pursuing it, but a lot of people, myself anyway, kind of discovered soccer, football, lacrosse, other stuff, things that felt more interesting to me. Um, and focused on those that grew up and grew older, but with this, this thought in the back of my head of like, I can understand that when I'm kind of in spending more time in an armchair, when I have free time to do that, this will be something that once again, the complexities are to show up, you know, what's the first base coach doing? What kind of slider is that? How do you manage the lineup? All the cool things you don't notice when you first approach something, all the details and the nuances, um, that you start to learn about and as, as you immerse yourself in something or as you just kind of grow and, and become wiser with age and um, through friends liking that thing or whatever, you sort of pick up information. And then later on, it becomes a whole new enjoyable experience. Same with golf, not to, not to 
to put too fine a point on it. and just bashing <laughs> old man <laughs> sports. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> golf might be a better example because <laughs> I remember, I mean, I, I didn't play it growing up. My brother and dad did great. Good for them. I just remember though, one day when I was probably about 25 or 26, I was flipping through channels on a nice, actually it was probably a March afternoon. It must've been. And I, all of a sudden, 45 minutes later, kind of come to, and I've been watching the Masters for 45 minutes and it completely immersed in what I was watching. For it's something that clicked in my head of like, oh, I get it. I get the hill, the roll of the hill, the wind, like everything that I was kind of not seeing before comes back. And so that's what this beer is to me. It kind of said, John, you drink it when you're maybe first getting into craft beer, it's exciting. And then you learn about double IPAs, triple IPAs, Belgian beer, and the crazy world that that is. And that's very enticing. And it kind of invites you to, to experience these other things. And then eventually, and this is what happened to me with this beer and then Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, for sure, which we'll get to in a minute, something else clicks and you, you re maybe have this beer again, because you haven't had it in a while and you're tasting different things. You've been out there in the beer world. Your palate's kind of learned what to do. You're picking out senses and smells and textures you weren't in the beginning. And you rediscover a beer and it's almost like a completely different experience the second time around. And it's much more enjoyable. That's what that is like what this beer is to a T. I think it's it's a little it's got a little bit more bitterness to it than a, a traditional Vienna style lager, but in a great way, and that right away makes it unique and different. It's beautiful to look at. It's got a great copper color. It's a big old fluffy head, and as you said, I, the malt in here it's it's does crazy stuff. It's jumping all around between like biscuit, bread, kind of toast is happening. There's it's caramely in the nose, but it's also like kind of someone's crushing cereal in the next room. Like there's all these cool things happening that I would just kind of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, oh, it smells like a beer. But now it smells like all kinds of stuff. Your analogy to baseball initially confused me and then became perfect. <laughs> I think I appreciate baseball more now as an older right. Right. dude. Than I did when I was younger. And it really, I think it happened when I had to explain the sport to my wife probably two or three years ago. It, Cleveland Indians were in the World Series and it was a really late game. And, you know, she's like, aren't you got to get up early in the morning? I was like, babe, you can't, you can't right. miss this. Like, right. and I'm trying to explain the count and explain like how, you know, you can, yeah, you can get so many balls and strikes and then there's fouls and how those work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's like, can't you just swing forever and get foul balls? I mean, yeah, <laughs> technically, but it was like, it was explaining that detail that made me right. realize I appreciate the sport a lot much more. Yeah. And I think you're, you're, you're drawing comparison to this beer is so accurate because on the sport, you could just swing forever right. and, <laughs> and hit foul balls and it'd be a really long game. But there's a lot of balance and nuance in this beer that I wouldn't have appreciated if I if I was just drinking a beer. Right. And there's a reason those sports are, you know, America's pastime and draw millions of fans and spectators. There's a there's something that all those people see that once you see it as well, you can't unsee it. Um you know, and, and unexperience it. And that's the same with this kind of beer. Just when you go on your beer travels and you taste tons of stuff, if you haven't done it, I invite you to 
redrink beer if you haven't had in a while because they're gonna you're gonna taste stuff you didn't taste before and it's gonna it's gonna be a whole new whole new ball game and that's been a lot of fun kind of just right looking back a little bit um in the rear view mirror with uh with more seasoned eyes and going whoa i didn't know was that always there it always looked like that i was smell like that um this do we do we have time for a for a random but I'm going to say quick Cleveland Indians beer story. I think we all, yeah, yep, we do. This is our show, John. We can, yes, let's, <laughs> people of Cleveland, listen up. Um, well, maybe. <laughs> um, but as, as part of history, one of the things that I find, like I find trivial facts fascinating. Um, and when they relate to beer, even more so. So the Cleveland Indians, I, I want to say this goes back. Uh, I'm not even going to put a year on it. We'll say 19... 60 to 70 um the indians were playing the houston texans there was a rivalry that kind of was built between these two teams <laughs> and cleveland the city had just like i mean they got their butts kicked uh, factory workers out of jobs it was uh similar to what happened in buffalo where i'm from like it was it was a story i could relate to where like the city was kind of down on its luck and now you got the Texans coming into town to play your hometown team. So the Cleveland Indians decide they're going to do a 10 cent beer night. Mm. No limits oh. all game long. <laughs> uh, so you can imagine, right? Like people are, people are suffering economically. The team is facing a rival and it's 10 cents per beer. The, I think the only limit they had was you could only get six cups at a time but then you get right back in line um so i mean it was a great i think it was a great thing to do for the city but i believe it ended um i'll i'll spare you all the details you can you can hash them out on google or reddit if you really want to dig in um but i think eventually before they ran out of beer they realized they had a security problem <laughs> there was a lot of naked people that were streaking on the field Ooh. eventually i think that became so normal that they didn't even try and round up the streakers they were right. just like when they leave we'll start playing again right and what ended up <laughs> happening is some, a fan jumped over and started like trying to take one of the texans players ball caps yes and the Texans see this from their dugout, so they rush the field trying to defend their player. The fans erupt onto the field, and the Cleveland Indians actually go out onto the field to try and defend the Texans. <laughs> like together right. as baseball players, let's protect each other so we wow. can finish the game. And it was, anyways, it was pandemonium. Ten cent beers that may it. have that may have altered the course of history yeah that'll do it every time yeah i wish i knew what beer it was if it happened today it'd probably be like great lakes uh sure. elliot nest or yep. uh, commodore perry or something but yeah. probably man that must have been something else to see that and be in the middle of that kind of what yeah, it's it i've that's happened a couple of times to me also at baseball games kind of watching the wave of chaos rise and you, it goes from everything's kind of fun to like oh we might be close to the danger zone to there's a bunch of naked people on the field and no one's <laughs> doing anything about it immediately the threshold for what's normal kind of shifts and that's that that community that exists there uh, when something like that happens, it's like, all right, well, let's find the line then. That wasn't the line. Naked people on the field wasn't the line. Let's keep going. Stealing ass. Back. <laughs> uh, 
There is maybe it's just I think this beer too. I'm pretty sure every baseball game, professional, minor league, college, intramural, just as a hobby, swinging a baseball bat out back right. has involved this beer in some way, or, or at least has been part of it or available there. I would almost yeah. say this beer is kind of part of my American pastime. For sure. Almost a million check-ins, 974,460,000 unique, uh, which is yeah, impressive stuff. And really a great, something else I always like to talk about when we talk about Boston beer and, uh, and Sam Adams is that they're a great brewery overall. We you know, did their Oktoberfest, which we loved when we had it. Um, that episode, and the same same kind of experience. It had been a little bit since I had it. And man, was it great. Um, you know, a lot of you will know their summer summer ale, which is which is great as well. But they like make a lot of beer. If you live in New England, um, you see a lot of the time that you may not know about. Like their Boston ale is very good. It's kind of like a pale ale version of a Boston lager. Old Fezziwig is an old ale they make around Christmas every year, which I love. Um, Their Sam 76, kind of like an American light lager, but it's, I believe it's, it's like dry hopped. It's great. I had it not too long ago. So they do a lot of really cool beer. You just may not have discovered yet. Um, Then a lot of them are just new, um, just new, new to their portfolio or, um, you know, not as widely distributed, but I encourage you if you haven't to kind of look at what they've got going on and beyond Boston lager, um, uh, and beyond their seasonals because they brew a lot of great stuff. Even their Newland IPA that they released a couple of years ago um, was a great style. I remember when they came with a Rebel IPA the first time, I had it on tap and I was like, you got to be like kidding me. This is amazing. I would drink this every day. It was hoppy. It was bitter. It was balanced. It looked great. smelled great. So you know, obviously you have competent brewers there. Um, it's an understatement. Even their Noble Pills, that was one of my favorite beers ever when they first released that. It was just a, like a Czech-style Pilsner. It's amazing. So, um, again, it's and one of these breweries that's kind of, you know, not just to the test of time, um, you know, in, under kind of some false pretense. Like, they're innovating, making new things, making things exciting, but also revisiting what they're known for. It's 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 been great today to get back in there and... Uh, yeah, just have all the memories kind of start coming back. and They do. Uh, uh, Sam Adams makes a beer called Honey Queen. And <laughs> it's, uh, it's a Braggot Mead. Ooh. And I think it was one of the first that I'd ever had. It was amazing. I remember telling, like, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was a, a quick, like, pop release. It's not something I see all the time. But mm-hmm. uh, when it was available, I remember telling everyone, like, it was like 7.5%. Drank easy as heck. Yeah, uh, that was a really fun beer. And their uh, another thing I'd like to you know kind of give them respect for is their long shot. Yes, uh, oh. series that re- like kind of celebrates homebrewers. Oh, I'm not familiar with how it works exactly. If you're listening, yeah. you know, or Harry, if you know, yeah. help us out. But sure. effectively, a homebrewer submits a recipe, and if Sam Adams or Boston Beer likes it then uh then that gets brewed in mass and sold in their long shot 12 packs and that's how i remember seeing yep. it anyways yep and i learned to brew beer from a guy who finished like whatever the one spot i think it was it might have been as nice it was i was a 12 pack i don't know if it was 12 beers or six beers two of each but he finished either like seventh or 13th place of like that one year with his imperial stout now his imperial stout 
let me see, is brewed by a brewery in New England under a different name. And you may have had it. And I don't think I can say what the name is of the brewery is. But he, <laughs> after that, went to be, he kind of, when I worked with him, he was developing recipes for breweries on small batch scales. And then he would sell the recipe to someone who needed like an imperial stout or whatever. Uh, we brewed a couple Almost of Almost like a songwriter for, kind of. Right, like. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're, they're contract brewer. There's different ways that, that, that titles use. Obviously, you can be a contract brewery and you can have a brewery that a bunch of people brew in. You can also be a contract brewer and just design recipes for breweries that are just starting or in between brewmasters or whatever it is. And he kind of fell into that. He was a mechanical engineer by trade just a genius of so very mechanically inclined super logical guy and his guy he brewed with was a microbiologist by trade so i fell in kind of cahoots with them right after college being a biology major myself and it was like this is amazing i can kind of nerd out with these guys who are in their 50s while listening to elo in his bar and drinking beer at eight in the morning this is it i'm hooked like let's sign me up what do i have to do this forever uh, but he, yeah, he just landed right outside it. But he had a cool, I think exactly Jim from Sam Adams wrote him a letter thanking him for um, submitting his his beer. He, I mean, he had, his whole basin was full of like blue ribbons from other things he'd won, uh, other other homebrew competitions he'd won. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that was one we spoke about. I saw the long shot uh, like on his wall and I was like, what's that about? And yeah, it was That's almost cool. I know, almost, uh, I'm sure many others. The one I remember, or, or the the second version of that I remember seeing, comes from came from Ballast Point. Mm-hmm. There, I think they called it the homework series yes, or something of that right. nature. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's I, I I don't maybe it's a, a recent obsession of mine. But I think uh, home brewers, a lot of the brewers that are coming to Untapped's virtual festival, like uh, every almost every one of those breweries began with. You know, I was in college. Someone told me about beer. I made a brown ale. It wasn't good, but I knew <laughs> that's that's where I was going to spend the rest of my. Right, I think there's right. a there's a, a, a homebrewers don't get as much credit as they're due. I agree. Um, I still some of the best beer I've ever had was made by that man and his awesome red barn in the woods. And um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I'm totally I'm with you there, John. It's uh, kind of been chasing that. Uh, I'm chasing a lot of those beers ever since, trying to like find breweries that made as as a good a imperial uh, uh, stout or the Scotch ale was amazing, um, that sort of thing. Wow. Let's get into yeah. really granularly, like what do you define? What makes a beer good? No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, but let's. There's been some things happening on uh, social media for Untapped. Um, the biggest or, or easiest way to connect with Harrison and myself and almost 3000 other fans of the podcast or untapped um, is to join us on the Facebook group for drinking socially yeah. uh, where it used to be, I'll admit at the end of season two, we could interact with almost everyone in that group. But now in season three, the badge has brought a lot of new people. Untapped TV has brought a lot of new people. It's a great problem to have mm-hmm. that we can't really keep up with all the activity that's happening in there. But it's always, I mean, the group is moderated, but everyone in there, it's not, people are posting content about beer. It's, it's in my eyes, it's one of the few safe places left 
on Facebook, uh, but I'll stop shamelessly plugging <laughs> our our podcast group. Harrison, uh, any any posts you've seen recently that kind of jumped out at you, or you want to just draw attention to? Yeah, while we're on the subject. Oh my gosh, yeah. So Dan Kanoi, I hope I'm saying your last name correctly, but he's been killing it. He's posting a couple times a week for at least a month or so now, if not longer. Um, of a, a picture of the beer he's checking in and enjoying and a cigar he's having outside cigar and beer sometimes some cheese some meat some hot dogs whatever else he's enjoying picture by the pool it's been a lot of fun to uh to see that but i've been kind of now accustomed looking forward to what he's going to talk about next and that's something i enjoy too a nice cigar and a beer some smoked meat ain't bad as we kind of discovered or talked about the ribs earlier definitely a fan of all those things but great to see him doing it he's nailing it the vibe is is great and i'm I'm looking forward to seeing what you got next dance that's been keep it coming man that's been great that's there's one side note is i realized that people take 3d pictures or, or, yes. or some sort of right. magic happens right um, on Harry Facebook. Potter picture, i feel like yeah. i <laughs> totally missed out but every time i see one of those photos i have to stop and check right um there was someone you were interacting with hey uh harrison uh, Waylon in the group that had a photo of his fridge, right? Um, and he had two like mini kegs of Bell's Oberon beer mm-hmm, in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. that was really cool. Right. Um, one of the one of the guys in the group, Andrew, uh, made a, a post that got a lot of engagement, rightfully so. He it was like a picture post, and I don't know. Anyways, it said in the <laughs> picture. We forgot our PPE. <laughs> um, and then he's got a picture of like an ultrasound and a, a baby coming. He says, yep. My wife's not going to be consuming alcohol until December. Um, and he asked for some recommendations on non alcoholic beers. What I love about the group is he received plenty of congratulations, um, but also like 20 people offering. Yeah. If you're looking for non alcoholic beer, it's a, not a beautiful world for you to live in, but it's, <laughs> but it's nice to maybe right. have some recommendation yeah, uh, or help. For sure. Better now than it has been. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it kind of got me wondering like, you know, we've seen hard seltzers w- jump up. Um, is is there a world where NA beer is a is a craft option? Sure. And is, uh, I'm not gonna. We won't dive into that right now, perhaps. But um, but we'll see. There's definitely been uh, as we kind of alluded to from the intro, um, the way that we consume beer has certainly made a quick, you know, stop on a dime adjustment in the last few months. Uh, oh, yeah. where Sam Adam Boston Lager, this beer has been selling, I don't know, 20% more uh, this May, this April, than it did last April. Sierra yep. Nevada Pale Ale, uh, Lagunitas IPA, all those be- those core comfortable, you know, meatloaf, mashed potatoes beers have mm-hmm. seen a lot more activity than they did the year previous. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, what else, Harry? Virtual yeah. festival. Harrison right. and I are going to be part of that. Mm. Um, that's going to be hopefully entertaining for those of you that are familiar It'll with us right. and able to join the show. How's the update on that looking, Harrison? So it is sold out, which is pretty cool. So hope you grabbed your tickets and your packages and your beers will be on the way shortly. There is still. Um, Time though, and ability to grab the BYOB, uh, you know, stream package where you're uh, be able to contribute to the 
charity you're working with, Restaurant Strong, and also um, watch whatever the heck John and I do, along with Greg and and our esteemed guests from the breweries will be uh, in uh, imbibing uh, the beer from. But yeah, so if you haven't grabbed that yet, go ahead and check it out. But it's sold out, so that's pretty exciting. Thank you for that. We're we're pumped to, yeah, hopefully not make total fools of ourselves. It'll be entertaining if it's entertaining in the in the way we want it to be or not is what will be you know laughing with us or <laughs> laughing at us that whole thing we'll figure that out as we go a little bit of we'll both. take the laughter either way <laughs> but yep um that'll be that'll be a fun i think uh that i'm excited to see uh what untapped can do with that and um i even though it's just digital i'm really excited to see if maybe you know in years in the future we could do a worldwide event. Uh, there's always a hang up. How do we get everybody the same beer worldwide would be right. my first question. But uh, this this one with halftime seems to be pretty exciting. I don't know how we're going to drink that many beers, but yeah, it's a good thing we're practicing. That's right. This is all about practice. Practice makes perfect. That and the wooden leg. Just go right into the wooden <laughs> leg for later. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the only other update I have in terms of uh, for, for untapped updates um, obviously, if you're not watching untapped.tv or if you haven't checked out our uh, kind of in-production media studio, um, uh, Greg Avola, the founder of Untapped, has been really busy. Every Thursday, there's a happy hour that he'll do with someone in the beer world. And on Saturdays, it's usually very similar. Um, he's had some really Im- impressive um, or fun guess my particular favorite so far to watch was john hall the journalist he's he's like four people's personalities shoved into one and i think he works for all four of them as well Uh, but there's been some really cool content if you follow untapped on youtube you can see all of those shows whether they were live events or pre-recorded Going forward, you'll see the Untapped Drinking Socially podcast. Harrison and I will be putting video content on there. So it'll just be our faces and us drinking beer. But sometimes it's nice to have uh, a a face to tie a podcast to. And uh, the last thing, uh, if you're listening to episode 12, ideally it's June. um, And that's Pride Month for Untapped. So all month long, check in any beer. You can get the Pride Badge. And I think this is something I'm re- I'm just I'm really proud of. Uh, one of the values I remember interviewing for Untapped, and you know, you go through the company's like kind of core values, and largely a lot of them tend to be the same. If you've worked for three companies, all of them have like integrity and discipline, and on and on. Uh, what I value about Untapped is that almost every day, like one of those really highlighted. Um, and for June, we celebrate diversity. literally on untapped for everyone and ultimately the message that i that i think i can resound with is that everyone should feel welcome at untapped as a user as an employee as a guest and we really hope that this is going to continue making the craft beer community a, a safe and inclusive space for everyone make good beer that's what it should be about yeah oh yeah it's great stuff cool all right, let's get a word in from our uh, our sponsor. Uh, we'll be back with beer number two. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, more. 
depending on how hot or cold you are. Go to store.untap.com and enter the coupon code podcast when you check out. That'll get 20% off anything you order. That's store.untap.com. Use the coupon code podcast, 20% off for you. Plus, it lets them know that you guys are listening, and we love that here. Okay, perfect. So now we're on to beer number two. John, what is, uh, what's up next? This one, uh, I'd like to think everyone that considers themselves a craft beer fan has tried at some point. Uh, although if you're looking on the grocery store recently, you'd see it as a really different label. Um, the beer we're talking about is Pale Ale from Sierra Nevada, often referred to as Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, but uh, it's awesome to think that there was a time where this beer was just called Pale Ale before Tiger King beer names and all that. Um, this is a Pale Ale American style made by Sierra Nevada Brewery. It comes in at 5.8% ABV and 38 IBUs, which there was a time where that was astronomical. Um, the notes that Sierra Nevada gives us are, this is our most popular beer. It's a delightful interpretation of a classic style as a deep amber color, as Harrison will show you off in the, in the video here in a second. Um, full-bodied, complex character, generous quantities of cascade hops give this pale ale its fragrant, fragrant bouquet and spicy flavor. Um, and cascade hops, a member of the, uh, sea hops family that I might've just like uh, built that directory in my own head, but cascade and centennial, those hops immediately get me thinking of like founders all day and bells two hearted. And I see Harrison's face light up a little bit. So you've already cracked it open, man. Uh, how is, I don't know how long has it been since you've had this beer and what do you think of it? Uh, 12 uh, hours. No, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record at this point. If you listen to more than one episode of Drinking Socially, I probably you've probably heard me talk about this beer, but I really do love it. It's on my Mount Beer more for a reason. It probably is my Desert Island beer. In fact, I think I've said it is. Um, quickly, though, so yeah, they're celebrating, what would that be, 40 years of being a brewery wow. with this cool package uh, that, yeah, just John referenced, it's a little bit different. They're celebrating the first run of labels they ever got uh, that were basically misprinted. The colors were all wrong, but they didn't have the money to <laughs> reorder them. So they just That's slapped them on the bottle and and now it's now it's a classic. Um, the beer. And 40 the, years later, right? that problem still happens to breweries right, sure. all the time. Um, yeah, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, this is this is a great beer. It's a beer that every brewer has a story about or you know, can get excited about for a lot of the same reasons uh, as Boston Lager. It's there's a lot happening here. There's many layers as you expand your kind of beer knowledge and your palate and we keep revisiting this beer again. It's a nice touchstone to come back to and go, yeah, I know that's Cascade Hops now. So like with Cascade Hop, this is a great beer. If you're trying to expand your knowledge and someone and someone says Cascade and you go, what does that taste like in a beer? drink this beer and you'll never forget it and be able to, you know, pull that out of other beers that, that have that hop in it, uh, that share similar characteristics. So, you know, I could talk, tell a million stories about it and wax on about it for a while, but 
I guess suffice it to say that it's it's great. I had one sip and it's half gone, so it's still <laughs> it's still my body drinks Sierra Nevada Pale Ale differently than other beers. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's so remarkably accurate. <laughs> it's kind of the first bottle disappears almost magically, and then it's a warm up bottle. Right, this exactly. is my Amuse Bouche. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and then the yeah and then the party begins the rest of the six pack is dinner oh man it's yeah it's it's awesome it's it's got it, it really does it has so much flavor S- specific things to note about them though they do bottle condition their beers which is so cool and uh, especially as much beer as they produce to know that each one is conditioned in the bottle that's what contributes to that big old fluffy head and it, it helps it last a bit longer, stay fresher, still kind of grow and change a little bit in the bottle, which is beneficial for a lot of reasons. Um, and yeah, just celebrates the Cascade hop. Um, and of course, you know, the how just how much of a pioneer it is. There's so many stories about, you know, they couldn't sell this in New York City. No one wanted to buy it except for like one or two bars. It was just a, such an alien thing, an alien idea have a beer that was just hoppy and bitter and had this much flavor. There seemingly wasn't a market for it, but obviously, as we know now, there certainly was and is and continues to be. Um, but without a doubt, kind of just kicked down a bunch of doors that didn't need to be there for the beer industry. And we would not be sitting here with double dry hopped hazy IPAs if this beer didn't start that conversation now 40 40 years ago which is it's it's cool and it's you know it's it's obviously everything's relative you you know talk to a pub owner or an england and they go 40 years i i've blinked longer than 40 years you know <laughs> <It's so> true <laughs> <laughs> but you know but but I, but it's absolutely something to celebrate and really cool they did with the bottle really cool that what's in the bottle is the same every time i have it um, you know, as, as maybe silly or as insignificant as that may sound, it's it's also something that as I've dove deeper and just been drinking beer longer, it's something I value more and more. Where if I can know that every time I'm going to pick up this beer, it's always going to taste exactly the same, uh, there's comfort in that. And that's what John was speaking about earlier. There's a reason beers like this and, and, and Sam Adams are jumping off the shelves right now when people are looking for comfort and stability and some kind of constant um this is it it tastes the same every time i have it i drink it a lot so i would (laughs) i would know i can say that with some authority um but it's yeah it just it it reminds me of i don't know a lot of things it's it's is it silly to say it feels like an old friend john is that (laughs) It's, uh, worse, worse uh, comparisons have been made probably on this show today. Right. Uh, <laughs> I was one it's been embarrassingly long since I've had this beer. It's probably been two years, maybe even longer, since mm-hmm. I've actually bought and drank a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first, as I'm drinking it right after Sam Adams Boston Lager, I feel like this has less flavor than Sam Adams Boston Lager. And I'm probably saying that wrong, but it finishes really nice and clean. There's a, there is a, a, it's not spicy like, you know, the, the, the murder taco at your local taqueria, but it's, there's a clean finish that comes through. 
in this beer, I feel like I'd be able to, I could drink both of these beers tonight in mass, but, um, but I appreciate there's a, a, it's, it's incredibly clear. It's copper in color. It's nothing like you would find on the shelves today if you looked for a pale ale. But when you drink it, I mean, it's beautiful. It's clean. It's balanced. It's 40 years old. Um, I mean, that part's amazing. It, Ken and Sierra Nevada were doing stuff like this, which is still good today, 40 years ago, when nobody, few people, the world wasn't ready to embrace it yet. Uh, although there were, like, there would be times in the early nineties where this beer would draw, like people would come and buy it out when it hit the shelf. It, like this was your first, uh, white whale, uh, which is incredible to think now, but uh, there's so much amazing history in Sierra Nevada. When do you, they took a while to start canning. That was something I hope to be able to ask them. It was 2011 when Sierra Nevada first began canning. And this was the first and only beer they started with. As Harrison mentioned, bottle conditioning all their beers, switching to a canning operation, supplementary. Like, I remember it was, uh, I don't remember his last name, Bill, Bill, who worked at Sierra Nevada, who made the announcement early on that they were going to go to canning. Other breweries had already began. Sam Adams hadn't done it yet. And Sierra Nevada said, we're going to do it. We're going to try it out with pale ale. We'll test some things. I'd imagine there's a lot of, you can't just take your bottled pale ale and start putting it in a can and expect everything to work well. Um, but I, I mean, if you look at it, where craft beer is now, it's rare to find a bottle beer. We drank both of these out of a bottle tonight and it felt really good. Actually, we drank them out of glasses, but sure. But yeah, they began in, uh, began in the bottle. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you're right, John. There's, there's a lot of things these guys do a little bit differently and, um, right. Indeed. It's a big shift to swing around when you make a change like that to go to cans or you, you add that to your, not a change or you add that option. Uh, but they did it, and now they can a couple, of, like a lot of things. Um, and yeah, the great, great everything about it is executed well. And it's it's also as we kind of spoke about with with Sam Adams, they're not resting on pale ale and letting pale ale kind of carry them home. Certainly, it does the heavy lifting each year in terms of. I think it's something like I might be wrong here. It's. Uh, either 60 or 80% of the beer they sell is like pale ale. It's most of what they sell, which makes sense. It's their core beer. That's that, that would not make sense. But, um, you know, they came out with hazy little thing a couple of years ago, which was an amazing take on a hazy IPA. They have sidecar, which is their orange IPA with, with orange actually in it, which is a great. Otravez. Yeah, right. They're dabbling in gozes and, um, and things like that, and actually doing really well, excelling with it. They have a couple of different versions of that beer now that are, up yeah, what I've had really good. They have a lime. They had it was cactus, I think, and something originally, and now it's lime. And we were talking with Jen two episodes ago, mm-hmm. um, where she was kind of talking about their strange. Yes. What was it called strange, strange beast? beast? Their com- hard kombucha and hard, hard, not kind of hard, like seven percent kombuchas. Yep. yep which is great. And and I'm excited for that. I just saw on Sierra Nevada's social media, they posted about 
kind of the first canning run for wider distribution in, I believe, both around Chico in California and North Carolina, where their Mills River brewery is, although it may just be North Car- uh, may just be ca- California. But yeah, that that kombucha is hitting hitting the shelves soon. So if you're in those markets, kind of they're starting kind of there with obviously plans to keep moving with it. But yeah, so right, they're not just sitting around kind of doing nothing. They they kind of they do what they've always done. They're pushing the envelope and they're doing what they like and they're you know, using this. Um, like a crazy amount of knowledge they have amassed over the past 40 years to at that point you can almost look at some series of spreadsheets and predict the future i would imagine you must know so much <laughs> about the past and seen so many things kind of come and go uh you probably have a pretty good uh pretty good barometer there of, of uh of where you know the next next thing is going to be and, and can be there for it at 40 years in the thing that I mean, not to take anything away from this, which, as you kind of said, Harrison, is this is like what pays the bills for Sierra Nevada. Um, but what I what I respect and appreciate most about them is that they're not content to just like we are Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. We do good with that. I think they're an example of what so many companies should strive to do you know you get you know you, you're in that beginning phase where it's just turn a profit prove your concept and then you get to that point where you can kind of switch things to autopilot and you know you could like sierra nevada could have just chilled with pale ale for a while other people might have presented competition and maybe they wouldn't be in the position they are today if they didn't embrace every aspect of craft beer like the trip through the woods, the kombucha, um, the Sufferfest brewing, how they kind of uh, bought or partnered or acquired that is like an athletic-minded brewery. I mean, Sierra, if it has something to do with craft beer, Sierra Nevada has either created it or jumped right on and, and added their kind of thumbprint to it, which I think is that's an awesome testament to them as a brewery, as a business. Mm-hmm. Very much the the Bruce Springsteen of breweries. You kind of, as I've <laughs> I know that's flattery <laughs> from you. <laughs> I keep with the metaphors all day, old Aesop's fables over here. But they're, you know, very much you can look at, yeah, uh, breweries look, I know this for a fact because I've been in the rooms where the conversations have happened that smaller breweries, younger breweries, breweries that are going from local to regional to maybe national and looking at distribution, they're always looking at, how Sierra Nevada has done it and what have they done? And that's, they always will. They've done such a good job, but every aspect, business side, brewing side, innovation, like they, they, yeah, they really just put the roadmap down there for, if, if you want to know how to do something well, how did Sierra Nevada do it? And, um, and yeah, that's just like the boss. It's, he's been hitting the road even longer than Sierra Nevada has out there still selling out stadiums and, Jumping I'm not around. sure if I'm legally allowed to play any Bruce Springsteen <laughs> songs. We'll find you know. out. <laughs> Test the bar. Keep pushing the bar. Uh, <laughs> Where's the line? Um, but yeah. This is uh, this is something when when Harrison and I first kind of looked at season three and you know, we were talking with Untapped, like we'd like to figure out a way to do a badge for the podcast and how can we make all that happen. 
and initially i remember thinking like if we do the badge does that mean we can only do big beers like sierra nevada pale ale or we can't do big beers like sierra nevada pale ale um and it's been a learning experience like knowing that the beers we select for the podcast will also be included in the badge but this is one i think if 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 you're listening to the podcast and you haven't had this beer in 2020 or 2019 or recently or ever, uh, or if you're not listening to the podcast and you have this beer, I hope that it, it kind of, it's a, what do you, it, it crosses both sides of the street where you drink this beer and you learn about the podcast and you like it, hopefully, otherwise, sorry. Um, or you like the podcast and you forgot about this beer. You, you looked past it in your grocery store um, pick, pick it up next time. It's warm out for most of us, for some of us, for half of us, at least. Um, it's warm out, pick it up, pick up a six pack of it or a single if you're, if you're tepid, but this is, uh, this is something I think if you've, if you've been on your craft journey for longer than a year, you'll probably taste this with a very renewed appreciation. Oh yeah. I do every uh, time but, I have it, I get excited about it. <laughs> For Harrison, it's a weekly occurrence. <laughs> uh, talking about the badge for this episode, Harrison, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, not a great segue, but uh, I know you said you had some. There's been some some shifts, some updates in the drinking socially badge. Yeah, so I figured we'd give you guys an update on 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 the badge itself since it's been now since the 15th of uh, January when it. When first launch, it's been almost half a year, six months of it out there. Um, so how's it doing? What's going on there? What's happening? What beers are gaining traction that we've enjoyed uh, on the podcast? So far, there have been more than 57,000 badge unlocks. Pretty pretty amazing stuff. Um, and top cities that we're able to see through Untapped that are enjoying this is London's kind of Led the way early on, London Pride having that as a, a beer available uh, through the badge has obviously made a big uh, big impact. Atlanta, Georgia, right after that, we did a Creature Comforts beer early on in the badge process, so they, they have time on their side there. Clone did an awesome uh, with Apples Kolsch. Excuse me, which wow, that is, was a great, yep, great episode, a great beer. Chicago, so and then uh, Stockholm as well. Kind of what, the top. Sorry, beers. what yeah. beer did we drink with Gaffel Kolsch? That was like that was a, it. a yeah, the Kolsch, their Kolsch. We drank Gaffel's Kolsch. What was the oh, other? The other beer? Was, was that that was, was that, London Pride. Uh, London, London Pride. London Pride. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. That Indeed. that was man. That was like a, a international mm, version of this episode. That's very well said. That's exactly correct. Um, and then yeah, Stockholm and New York, Philadelphia. After that, top venues. I love this. Chicken and beer, which is in Atlanta's <laughs> airport. Boom. Creature Comforts, I'm sure, is driving a lot of that, but that's the number one place. That's incredible. Um, that's enjoyed this. And this is pretty cool. And kind of the most notable thing we saw is that up until probably only a few weeks ago, London Pride was far and away by about two twofold the number one beer that people had used to unlock um, the badge. However, daytime IPA that we featured in kind of our low calorie hazy IPA episode has surpassed it now. There's more than 8,300 unlocks through daytime IPA, which is really cool. And 
Um, again, also not surprising how widely available Lagunitas is and that it's getting, as John said, warmer for at least half of us. Um, cool note that every single beer that we had on that episode, so Daytime IPA from Lagunitas, Flyjack from Firestone Walker, uh, 1E 100 Calorie Hazy IPA from Oscar Blues, and Lighthearted from Bell's, all those beers are in the top 10. So I think it's safe to say, for now at least, we were kind of right in the money there saying this the, the hazy, low-calorie IPAs would be something people who love beer gravitate towards. It's it's certainly evident here in the check I remember at the end of that episode, we had like a, a kind of a quick poll or contest mm-hmm. where it was like, which beer would you bring to the to a pool party, to yep. an office party for a lawnmower? Um, and here we are in the season of those things. Yeah. Granted, not all of them are possible. Right. Um, or advised, maybe. Um, not a legal source of information, <laughs> but, um, but maybe not advisable yet. But here we are, and those beers are starting to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's exciting to see that trend. They were all four of them. Yeah. Here, here I am just reiterating things we already <laughs> know, especially if you've listened to that episode, but all four of those beers nearly identical in the stat column, right? Like beer style, ABV, IBU, every single one slightly, slightly or moderately or a lot different than the next. That was an incredible episode. A lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, right? Exactly correct. And yeah, daytime is just crushing it right now. So thanks so much for checking in to the beers that we've been enjoying here. And if, as John said, it's how you found the podcast. Welcome. Cool that you can use Untapped as a choose your own adventure story. And one of those adventures takes you to us. So welcome to it. It's your first time. And um, yeah, you know, we'll keep doing some updates here about the badge itself and what everyone's drinking out there and as things change. We'll, we'll check in periodically, but this is fun to see. And for us, kind of the genesis of this conversation was holy cow, London Pride out of nowhere, um, which had been the easy front runner no longer. Daytime IPA, crown champ for now. Although, tell you what, London Pride's still right there, as is Gaffel Kolsch. Um, so we'll see as those lighter beers kind of get picked up a little more and more this time of year. A different I'm excited to so. see what these two flagship identifiers That's right. And then, of course, right. do. I think we've just changed um, the game tonight yeah. by adding these two. That's we won't be seeing Pliny the Younger upset that list. <laughs> um, but no, but, um, but as it was expressed on January 15th, no one is expected, myself included, um, to be able to max out the drinking socially badges. Yeah. It's a fun experiment and something we wanted to do to thank you all for listening. Uh, another thing we're about to launch to hopefully thank you all for listening. Um, <laughs> it's kind of what we're referring to Harrison and I, as we're building uh, what's going to be like a 10 part series is uh internally we just we just call it beer 101 um to imply that it's kind of meant to be a a segment of the next 10 episodes or so that kind of focuses on the basics you know we all know water hops barley yeast right water hops barley yeast that makes a beer um (laughs) but if I gave you all four of those things, what would you do with them? Right. Me, nothing. Harrison probably make a beer, um, <laughs> but uh, but I think the goal with this next segment is to try and 
draw some attention and answer some questions, especially for those of you that found Untapped in the beginning of your craft beer journey. Uh, had an IPA, didn't like the taste, had a sour beer, didn't like the taste, unsure where to go. Uh, I, I find that a lot of times understanding is just helpful. And Harrison's, I'm, I, I'm really excited to kind of unleash some of his uh, beer knowledge. Uh, so we're planning, again, like a, about one segment in every of the next 10 episodes to cover some of these details. Any disclaimers or credits or calls to action you want to issue Harrison as we try and build that out for episode 13 and beyond absolutely yeah so as John said the plan now is to do about 10 episodes it'll it's loosely as we've laid it out kind of in two parts where we'll talk about kind of the materials that you need to to make beer and then the processes you know how do you actually take what you have as John said we hand you the four ingredients that are in every beer what happens next how does it become something that you can enjoy in a bottle and, um, you know, not go blind drinking? So we'll, we'll kind of talk about those things, have some fun with it. We want to do this for a while. So this is exciting to we've kind of found time to do it in a place and think now is a good time for all that. And it was a big reason why we chose these two beers today, too, to kind of start at the beginning as we uh, of, of a lot of people's craft beer experiences with these two beers we enjoy today to also now move into perhaps something new for a lot of people really going to get in a little more granularly into the, you know, what we're drinking and why it tastes the way it does and how it goes from, you know, being barley in a field to something that's copper. And why is it, why is it copper and in your glass and all that stuff? So what we really want though, is for you guys to all be a part of this is to, um, you know, not have us be in a vacuum creating things we think you might want to know if you've had questions about, you know, what, a cool ship is and how it works or how what goes into barrel aging beers and um what how do different breweries dry hop is there a universal way of doing it or you know why does the dry hop beers from deschutes taste different than sierra nevada so there's stuff like that you're you want to know now's the time and please you know um you can email us at podcast at untap.com or as we saw it earlier join us on the facebook group drinking socially a lot of fun in there already, but now really looking to kind of hear from you guys about what you want to know, what you've always been curious about. This may include some really cool guests. We're hoping that it does. People who, um, names we all know, adding their insights into what makes a great, you know, dry hopping process and, and why, um, uh, as an example. And want to make sure that it may include some videos and some kind of other supplemental segments we're going to do even beyond the podcast so we've kind of put a lot of thought into this we're building it out now um but want to hear from you guys before we launch it and start doing it to make sure we're actually talking about something that's going to be interesting and and of value to you so we're very excited it's been a long time coming we'll look forward to seeing what you say uh through email or through the facebook group and yeah kind of start this journey the second half of season three to not just with the beer, let's go back to the beginning, but with, with beer itself, go to, to where they all begin um, and then see where we go from there. I absolutely, I think we're hoping that this is somewhat educational for everyone that listens to it, but what I'm really hoping for is that it's educational for me <laughs> as well. Ask, <laughs> ask questions because um, uh, uh, the hope <laughs> is that you'll ask things we don't already know and that'll cause us to learn 
and then share. And that is, uh, I think you can put that on your LinkedIn, if not your college resume. Yes. Um, or CV. <laughs> um, what else do we got coming up on the uh, episode 12? We usually do a would you rather. Um, and I know we're asking you guys for a lot of help, but <laughs> the would you rather well has kind of dried up. Mm. Or um, are there some that maybe just aren't super timely? Um, so instead of a, a would you rather, we're going to pivot. Um, I'm going to ask Harrison a different question. But if you have any that you know would be fun or you think would be funny, uh, if you challenged us with them, uh, of course, we're always uh, looking for more help. Send us a message on Facebook. Put it in the Facebook group. Email podcasts at untapped.com. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but in the meantime, in the lack of a, uh, a, a, a timely would you rather that would tie into this show, I want to ask Harrison, uh, we, we did this episode on kind of the heroes on the grocery store beer shelf. Um, so these two beers aside, what would you say is your grocery store beer shelf hero? Your going to your class reunion and it's being held in uh alabaster montana off the main road down a dirt road there's one grocery store that has a cold beer sign out front you don't expect much for craft selection maybe but uh when you visit that uh that really remote grocery store What's your, what's your kind of, which one are you pulling off the shelf that you know is going to get you through a, a weekend in the, in the mountains? I don't know why we went there, but that's fine. We did. We did. We're here. We're there now. This tiny little grocery store. So I'm hopeful there's a 15 pack of Oscar blues variety pack. That's any grocery store I walk into. That's a thing I always look at is what do we have? Is the new IPA in there yet? Perfect. Uh, if that's not there, it's easy to jump over to like now um, a 12 pack of Bell's two hearted bottles. They just announced they're doing 12 pack bottles now of that beer, which is pretty cool. So that's going to be now on my grocery store radar, but if not a 12 pack, then, you know, a six pack um, and so on. That'd be, that'd be good too, to help me. Yeah. Kind of, you know, face Peggy Newsom and all the girls I didn't ask to dance in senior prom or whatever I have to, <laughs> whatever I have to do to, uh, whatever horrible feelings come back to the surface that have long been dormant. Um, that'll help get them out of the way. Uh, but really kind of my, my move every time I go to the grocery store now is it's almost like a, <laughs> almost like a dance where I'll go over to the Sierra Nevada section, see what's new, see what's happening there. Then maybe move over to Oscar blues and then bills and then, um, Highland Brewing Company, which is local, I think mostly to North, they're in North Carolina, but they distribute, I think uh, definitely somewhat regionally. Uh, I like a lot of the stuff they do as well. Their Gaelic ale is uh, is kind of crowned as with the first beer of Asheville, which is of course a huge mecca of of craft beer now. Um, they do a lot of other really great styles. So that's kind of like my and then uh, and then now Red Oak Red Oak cans their beer. That was a big deal for me. You shared one uh, with me last week, John, and it kind of blew me away. I've been waiting for that forever um after the the episode when we spoke about their my Bach, i enjoyed that and it just it was next level so that's gonna now be as it was today when i was in the grocery store um 
part of the thing I look at. Those are kind of my sight lines. That's my rhythm. You can you see me in the grocery store. You can watch me quietly from afar, and I'll do that move up and down the door <laughs> on the left and the door on the right and look at the Oscar Blues and over to Bells and what's Highland doing and then settle on Red Oak. And by then, I've kind of made a decision. Um, but what about you, John? Do you do any pirouetting or tangoing when you're in the grocery store? What kind of what's your, your move? Fun fact about John, I haven't danced since 1988, um, but, uh, Noted. but so no pirouetting, but, uh, I do, there is like, there's a method it, when it, it's difficult, maybe it's my personality, but it's difficult for me to go to a grocery store. If I don't already, like, if I can't close my eyes and see every beer that's on the shelf, immediately I go into like decision, what do they call it? Analysis paralysis, um, where I have to look, I'm not super concerned about the economics of it. That's a, that's a value point, but mostly I'm like, all right, what beers haven't I had? Are they beers I'm excited about? If I don't find anything in that category, then what beers have I had that not just were good, but that I want another one of right now. So usually I'll go to, sometimes I'll go to untapped and I'll see like, what did I say about that beer last time I had it? Um, or if I haven't, you know, like did Harrison drink it or, or some, some untapped friends, uh, from the podcast group, especially if we're looking at regional beers, have any of my friends had this beer? What did they say about it? Um, but if I'm in a grocery store, with a very, very limited selection of craft beer, usually the bigger like Sierra Nevada, Sam Adams, uh, even to a lesser point like Wicked Weed, that when, once they got acquired by ABI, you see them in new places. Um, Corona, can you call that? I don't know, but sometimes <laughs> if I'm on a vacation and we're spending the day on the beach, sure. there's a there's a part of my brain that connects Corona with like, this is, this is the beer that's meant for that. Yep. Um, so I don't know, uh, what beer am I grabbing on the shelf there? It's probably in that situation where there's just an incredibly limited selection, a variety pack of anything mm -hmm. is going to get my dollars and cents because that way I get a couple different beers. And if I can't find one and I can't pick this Sierra Nevada pale ale, cause I already said it's against the rules. <laughs> um, I'm going to look for a hop forward beer. Uh, hopefully one that I recognize like golden road, if you're out West or, uh, Sierra Nevada, I guess if you're wherever I am, I'm going to look for right. something with the word pale ale, That's a good, um, good point. bells, two hearted founders. There's a, with, with, I don't want to drone on too much about this, <laughs> but you kind of said it without saying it, Harrison, that the allegiance starts to grow more to the brewery than the beer. And there's truth to that. If, if if I don't have a lot to choose from, Bell's, Sierra Nevada, Founders, Boston Beer, Dogfish Head, a lot of those breweries have just never disappointed me by making a bad beer um, or making a beer that I didn't know what I was going to get into when I opened it. So some of my allegiance will go to a, a brewery that I'm comfortable with as well. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's exactly well, yeah, right. I start there at the brewery level and kind of see what's new. Um, in fact, I was there today and Highland has a rising tide. It's a hazy IPA. And I was like, ooh, that'll be, that'll probably, it's their next trip. That's going to be my weekend. Kind of planning trips ahead. 
Whatever, you know, whatever, too much thought, too much thinking involved in it. But it's, I um, mean, it's fun. Random fun. I think you're right in that Highland is one of the first craft breweries to open up in North Carolina, if not just Asheville. And the, they have, it, it's a, it's a uh, Scottish inspired brewery in the name and the logos. Um, but they were originally, that brewery was built by, uh, a Jamaican born American citizen who was like an MIT rocket scientist or something like just killed it, decided to retire, retired early. And, uh, the story goes that his wife was like, you can't just stay home all the time. You're driving me crazy. <laughs> so he said, oh, I will, let me start home brewing beer. Yep. And then eventually created uh, Highland Brewing in Asheville. And obviously that city embraced it quite a bit after time. But that was, I never would have imagined uh, like a Jamaican-born scientist creating the brewery that has like the, the Celtic, right. he's got the Bag kilt on and everything, and everything that just seemed. Oh, yeah, all nine yards. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. That's a great great origin story for a beer that everybody knows it's a crappier head in this uh in this state one of the first ones i haven't moved here was gaelic ale cool wow we covered a lot we went back and forth and in and out of time this has been uh a fun episode john we we dove deep and shared a lot of crazy metaphors that i hope made sense to everybody at least in some regard Hopefully the pantomiming on YouTube helped right. out a little bit. Um, but uh, yep, if time is a flat circle, this has only been right. just one instant. It hasn't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> and in the same instance, it is about to end. That's right. um, so uh, thanks for listening and for making it this far. Send us your uh, questions for the Beer 101 segment. If you have any would-you-rather questions you'd like Harrison and I to cover, please feel free. Um, if you have anything you'd like to say to us at all, join us on the Facebook group. Send us an email. Um, the email address is going to be in the show notes. Uh, watch us on YouTube. Leave a comment there. There's multiple ways you can find us in this computer world. <laughs> uh, and also keep your beers uh, close and cold. I just made that up on the spot. Good. Show notes will be available at <laughs> podcast.untap.com. If you have any questions or feedback, you know where to connect with us. Um, otherwise, I guess yeah. we'll see you in two weeks. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.